0: Thank you, worship team. We prayed earlier this morning that the worship time this morning would not only glorify God, but would push back whatever plans uh, our enemy might have for our time together this morning. And uh, I believe that has happened. Thank you for leading us. Well, we have a very special guest that is part of the message this morning. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right in so that we're able to uh, make sure we have lots of time for that guest in a little bit. This is week three of our 10 week series on faith. And if you were with us at all last year when we did our series on love, we have the same desire that we don't just learn about faith in this series, but we start to imitate it more and we begin to put it into practice. So Kevin has done an intro to the series over the last couple of weeks. And two weeks ago, he reminded us as we looked at scripture that Jesus talked a lot about faith. There were times that he would, he would see great faith and he would talk about it, and other times that he would see little or a lack of faith and he would talk about that too. But we learned that, that belief is different from faith. Belief is just kind of mentally agreeing with something, kind of acknowledging that something is true. But faith is different. Faith is taking that and being willing to step out and be risky and put it into action. I wasn't here that morning two weeks ago when Kevin preached that. I was preaching in another church, so this week I got to listen to that on a podcast as I was driving. And as Kevin was talking about that difference between belief and faith, I remembered actually as I was driving a story that I'd heard once that illustrated that, and it was a physics professor at university who was teaching about the law of the pendulum. Now, it's been a long time maybe for some of us since we've learned this law, but at its basic, I hope uh, if Brian, car- good, Brian's not here this morning, that's good, so he-, he won't correct me. At its most basic, when you have like a- some type of-, of rope and a weight on it, the law of the pendulum is kind of you can pull it back and as you release it, it will swing and as it comes back, it will stop just short of the release point. I'm sure that is incredibly oversimplified here, but work with me on this. So the professor taught this, and they learned it, and they'd done a test on it, and he asked the class who believes in the law of the pendulum. Every hand went up. They understood it. They knew what it meant. He then said, I'd like a volunteer, and we're gonna, I'm going to show you how this law actually works. So this young man got up, and he kind of, you know, sauntered up, and he had a little bit of uh, spunk in his step, and he got up there. He volunteered. So the professor said, okay, come stand against the wall. And he put him on the far side, back against a brick wall, heels against the wall, chin back, back of his head against the wall. And right after he fixed his microphone, he pulled a big concrete block that had been tied to a string on the steel beams in the lecture hall. And he walked this concrete block, and he walked it over to the guy, and he settled it, kissing right up against his nose. And he let it go. And as it whistled across, and he was saying to the guy, don't move, don't move, don't move. The law of the pendulum, don't move. And it came across the room, came back. The guy was sitting there, cool as can be, as this thing came right up, and then he dove. (laughs) (laughs) He dove, and he dove out of the way, and the pendulum came and went, and the professor said, you did not trust the law of the pendulum. And so it is a reminder for us. There's lots of things that we can say we believe. We believe to be true. Jesus is looking for that to animate our actions, and we would step out. And at times, it is risky, but that is faith. And Kevin reminded us, that's often when God shows up. And he does incredible things in response to faith, active faith. Last week was How Does Faith Increase? And we heard that it increases when we hear God's message and we respond. And we heard lots of really cool stories, examples from within this church of how God has grown faith by people stepping out in response. And that the more we come to know Jesus, the more we hear his voice, the more faith we'll have. So our series now is actually going to take a turn. We've had two weeks of intro. Now we are going to turn to Jesus stories for these next weeks to grow our faith. And today it's a story in Matthew eight twenty three to 27. A familiar story for many of us of Jesus calming the storm. There's only five verses here, but there's lots to learn. The context of this, before I read the passage to us, Jesus had just finished, in the previous three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount. Earlier in chapter 8, he had reached out and touched a man with leprosy and healed him. Then he spoke, and he healed this soldier's servant who was kind of in the next town over, and he just spoke and healed him from a distance, Also in chapter 8, he then lays hands on Peter's mother-in-law and her fever is restored. Still in chapter 8, he fulfills an old prophecy from the book of Isaiah by casting out many demons and healing all the sick who had come to him. So this whole chapter has been a chapter of miracles, touching and talking, power over sickness, power over spirits. We then come to this story in verse 23. So you can follow along. It says, Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So let's jump back to the top. Jesus got into the boat, and he started across the lake with his disciples. Well, what boat? It's the first time a boat's been mentioned in the chapter. Four of his disciples, at least we know, were fishermen. Chances are it was the same boat, one of their boats, that he had used many times before. There's actually a a picture here This is known as the Jesus boat. This was found in an archaeological dig in 1986. And the Sea of Galilee was really, really low, and they found it on sonar, and they were able to float it to the top. And it's been dated back to uh, the first century AD. It's about the right size. It fits about 15 people. It's the right era. Who knows? Maybe this actually was the boat that this story took place in. If not, it was one like it. And I'm I'm no, like, nautical expert, but I look at it, and I do notice it lacks some of the safety features (laughs) of of today's boats. And that's going to be important. Remember, it was something like this. As we give the disciples a little slack in this story, it was something like this that they were sitting in. And the Matthew 4, this story is actually told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In, In Mark 4, sorry, they tell us that many other boats followed Jesus out onto the lake. So when this storm came, it wasn't just Jesus and the disciples who were at risk. There were other boats that had come out onto the sea. Well, that leads to the next question. What sea are we talking about? What lake? The body of water that this happened on is the Sea of Galilee. It's known in the Old Testament by some different names, Lake Tiberias, Lake Kinnerat. But but lots of Jesus' ministry happened on this sea or right around the shores of this sea. It's here that he recruited the four fishermen disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Two pairs of brothers. This was the lake that they fished as a job. This was the lake that the Sermon on the Mount was right beside it and it overlooked. It was here on the Sea of Galilee that Jesus would walk on water. It was on this lake that the disciples fished all night and he tells them to throw over the net and they have this incredible catch of fish. It was on the shores of this lake that Jesus returned and chose as the spot when he showed himself to his disciples after his resurrection. So both Jesus and the disciples know this body of water really, really well. It isn't that big. You know, compared to some of the other, we know some of the other bodies of water that we read stories about in scripture, it was much smaller than the Dead Sea, which is kind of just south of it there. They're joined by the Jordan River. Sea of Galilee is the one up top on the right. It's much smaller than the Dead Sea, which was much smaller than the Red Sea, and then they're way smaller than the Mediterranean. So, so picture the Sea of Galilee. You can fit 100 of them into Lake Ontario to get a sense of the size. You could fit 15,000 of them into the Mediterranean Sea. 15,000 of the Sea of Galilee. Point is, it wasn't that big. In fact, if it was a bad weather day or wind coming from the east, often it would actually be faster to walk around the tip than to take a boat across the tip. So some think, actually, that Jesus chose the water route because he had other plans in mind that evening. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. You can remember from that picture, easy for the stuff to come over the side, water to start coming over the side. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, for a small lake, we know now the Sea of Galilee is notorious for sudden and violent storms. Here's why. It is the lowest freshwater lake in the world, almost 700 feet below sea level. It's also very shallow. So if you've ever been to Wasega Beach or some of these other beaches with sandbars... As kids, we used to love it, right? Because you knew if you stood where, the, where the, all of a sudden the water got shallow, waves would come in, it would hit the shallow part, and all of a sudden they would explode. The more shallow the lake, the more churny the water is up top. This is a shallow lake. On the east side, there's mountains 2,000 feet tall. So basically, here's the weather lesson. <laughs> These mountains... They have cold, dry air. It comes off the mountains. This low, really low lake has warm, humid air. When those hit with an east wind, it was sudden and it was violent that there would be a storm that would brew up. Still happens today on this lake. There's a picture here, actually, called the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Lots of people have painted this. Anyone want to take a guess who painted this one? No? Rembrandt. Rembrandt painted this, and in 1990, it was stolen. It hasn't yet been recovered. There's a $10 million reward still out for this painting. So if you've moved recently, maybe when you get home, you can take a look in your attic, see what you'd find there. It is actually still the world's most expensive piece of art that has not been recovered. But there's lots of people that have painted this, and I think it's because there's something about the storm that resonates with us. Storms are tough. This month alone, if I think of interactions with friends, some storms, like declining health, may give advance notice. Others, like an accident, are sudden, and in a moment they arrive out of nowhere. Some storms seem completely unfair, the result of the choices and actions of others. Others are because of our own doing. Some storms, like Job's in the Old Testament, are stirred up by our enemy. Others, like the command for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, the storm he faced that night, are purposed by God. All of them are tough. All of them bring our faith and our fear into tension. In this storm, Jesus was sleeping. Now, it's a short trip. It's only an hour's trip. You would think maybe he wouldn't either have time or wouldn't bother to lie down trying to fall asleep. Maybe he was so exhausted from his teaching and miracles and healing, it's a reminder to us of his humanity that he got tired just like we do. Maybe... There was such supernatural peace that even in the midst of this storm, the fact that he was able to be calm and sleeping, maybe that's a reminder to us of his divinity, how in touch he was with his spirit who brings peace. Or maybe he was setting up the disciples for something a little more memorable. Verse 25 the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. The Mark version of this story includes them saying, don't you care? Don't you even care that our lives are in danger? And from their perspective, and this is important for us to pause here, from their perspective, it wasn't reality, but to them, in the middle of this storm, in the middle of their fear, at their most anxious moment, it seemed like God was unaware, or at the very least, disinterested. It reminds me of the Footprints poem. That often from our perspective, when we consider the storms of life, it seems like God is quiet. Well, these disciples were seasoned men on the sea, they knew this body of water, they knew this boat, they were afraid. Yancey writes, The opposite of faith is not doubt, it's fear. And that was what was being played out in the disciples in that moment, was this tension between fear and faith. And they had seen all the miracles of that day, all the healings, all the demons cast out, all the things that Jesus had spoken and done that was miraculous, but this time was different because the storm was happening to them. This time it was personal. It felt different, and they were afraid. Well, it tells us in Acts, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and that is exactly what they did. They prayed the perfect prayer, Lord, save us. Short and sweet, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and they call in the midst of their fear, they call on the name of the Lord. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith he asked him the question, why are you afraid? It is good for us, I think, to pause this morning and allow him to ask us that question. When we think of things that are happening in our life, why are we afraid? So I actually don't know if he left time in between these. I don't know if it was a rhetorical question. I don't know if he asked the first part, And then he answers it with the second part: Are these cause and effect? So, you know, is he saying, "Why are you so afraid? Because you have so little faith." But either way, he's linking these together, and he's reminding us of the downward spiral of these: fear leads to our faith diminishing. When our faith is little and it's shrinking. That causes more anxiety and more fear. And that can cause less hope, which brings us less faith. And then we, in that less faith, our fear gets bigger and bigger. You can see how this can become a vicious cycle that our enemy loves to exploit. He loves to exploit it. He will attack it from either end. He knows our weakness. He knows what we're susceptible to. So if my weakness is in keeping my faith up, he will work to diminish my faith knowing that as a bonus, he gets fear and he makes me anxious and afraid. If he knows you're wired towards being afraid or wired towards anxiety, he will attack you on that knowing that the bonus is your faith begins to shrivel. It is his plan for how he works to try to make us feel helpless and hopeless for the future. Fear and faith intention. Well, for this series, we are wanting to hear stories of forest Brookers and how they have experienced something that, that kind of goes along with what God is teaching us in this series on faith. And so for this morning, at great expense, I am thrilled to tell you we have brought in the one and the only Mr. Jim Wilson. Jim, come on up. There he is. There. That's him in the red. <laughs> Jim, um, tell us... I'll move this out of the way so people can see. Whoop. Tell us, uh, what what was your storm that you've been asked to, uh, to share about this morning? Sure. Uh,
1: thanks. This is the first time I've ever kind of publicly talked about this. Uh, there'll be a couple parts to it, uh, but it is about... Uh, about job loss and uh, as far as my I'll say the first storm um, I was working in a company on on a a management team and the company was doing really quite well Um, my team was functioning well um, the the business itself was growing and so everything seemed to be going great Um, and then suddenly I just I noticed the CEO was kind of Treating me differently and he was under a lot of pressure from the board of directors. I, I later found out But it seemed like a lot was being deflected on me And I got to the point where I was working seven days a week could never do enough and it was just piling on piling on And, I, and uh, you know, I was doing all my efforts and I just couldn't understand So and he came basically to a, a point saying, you know, this isn't gonna work. Uh, you know, you know, my position was is gone and uh, And so, you know, the storm was, well, there's multiple parts to it, Uh, certainly it hits at your own inner core when you're working hard at something and feel you're doing well. And it seems unfair and it wasn't making sense to me logically as to why this was was taking place. Um, It impacts and this went for nearly a year, so I'm not talking out of work for a few weeks. Uh, so there was a uh, significant uh, churn, and my nature is being very positive, as my close friends will tell you, to a fault sometimes. Um, but this, this was different, and it was very personal. Like, the storm was hitting me, was hitting my family, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, having uh, just doubts. About, okay, what's going to happen in the future? And, and uh, you know, why did this happen? Why is God doing this to me? And uh, yeah, really kind of not knowing what was going to be the next step.
0: So how did you how did you handle it you said that was the first time around how did you handle it where did you sense god in the midst of it
1: yeah so I, i'm not super proud of how i handled it <laughs> the, the the first time i uh, i i'd been in business for a long time so i had i had a pretty big network i kind of felt like i can handle this i kind of know you know i've got a good background uh, and, you know, I'm in marketing and communications, so I can do a good resume, I can interview well, shouldn't be a problem. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I got on, on on the computer and worked through all kinds of networking and headhunters and, and doing applications. And many who have been through this will will understand that. And uh, so it felt like, you know, I'll be able to get over this, it's not really a problem. And then as time went on and it was longer and going through interviews and, and, and not getting something, it started, you know, eating away at it. And so, but I, And Certainly, I was praying about it, but I don't think I was praying with a fervor like we just saw (laughs) in the in the boat there Um, It was more um, Shallow prayers of asking for help without really laying my soul out in in faith to it So I guess I would say that it was really in my own efforts for a large part is what I what I was doing in that job search Mm -hmm. and uh, and it was obviously very difficult for the family and friends and other thing i'll say too that was difficult uh even though well-meaning um coming to church and having numerous people ask me every week if i have a job yet how's it going and i know their purposes were really good but it was hard to kind of internalize that to feel like you're failing people you're not getting it why haven't i
0: got my job and where was god in the midst of that that First one through did he seem quiet? did he seem present?
1: So that footprint you just showed that, that yeah. was God. I, I don't think I was as close to, to realizing that towards the end, and obviously God was super gracious, and I got, a, I got an amazing job in the end and, and it came through, but um, I would f- I felt he was a bit distant, you know to be honest uh, through that journey in terms of the pain it was causing uh, the family and myself mm-hmm. yeah. Sleep in the boat.
0: Yeah yeah. Well, we're going to pause here. Clearly, that's not the end of Jim's story, and it's not the end of the passage, but we're going to pause there, and we're going to hear the end of his story in a few minutes. Thanks, Jim. Um, let's go back and see what happens in response. Um, never easy to share some of those things, so thank you. Well, verse 26. Then he got up, this is Jesus, and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. This was his first power over nature miracle. Jesus is more than just a miracle worker. In rebuking the wind and the waves, it showed his positional authority over all creation. As the Son of God, he had spoke creation into being in the first place, in Genesis 1. He had no need to strike the water with a rod or a staff like Moses did. He simply was able to speak to the wind and the waves. Now, for us as a primarily non-Jewish audience here 2,000 years later, we can miss in this story that it is the clear fulfillment of Psalm 107. Psalm 107 says this, and and I've I've taken a little bit out to make the story a little tighter, but here's what it says. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. As he brought them safely into harbor. Sound familiar? The disciples would have known that prophecy. In what happened that day in the boat. Jesus established himself as the Lord. He was being revealed in this miracle. As the fulfillment of that prophecy. As the Messiah. So whatever my storm today Whatever your storm, the story that Jim just shared with us that ties so many things together, whatever that storm is, it is within his realm. With the power and authority over the entire of creation, it's within his realm to remedy. Verse 27, the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked, even the winds and the waves obey him. In Luke, it says of this story, they were terrified and they were amazed. Well, Jesus told us that in this world, we would have trouble. He told that to these same disciples a little bit later before he went to the cross. In this world, we will have trouble. Jesus could have prevented Lazarus' death before he arrived and raised him from the dead. As the power and authority over all creation, Jesus could have prevented the man in John 9 from being born blind before he healed him. On this day with the disciples, as the one who oversees all of creation, he could have prevented that storm in the first place. But then, in each of those cases, his glory would not have been on display And this is the part that is so important for you and I. His disciples' faith would not have been strengthened. The same goes for us in our storms today. See, the storm pushes the disciples to desperation, which pushes them to Jesus, which increases their faith. Let's not knock them too hard. I know Jesus rebuked them and said their faith was small. But even in the midst of that fear, the disciples had enough faith to go wake him up, to turn to Jesus in the midst of it. Facing our own family storm this month, early last week, not in the last few days, the week, like the week before that, I hit a moment where I, I actually just couldn't bring myself to pray about it anymore. I was dry. I, I, I actually couldn't start a much-needed prayer to turn to the Lord for help. Maybe because of some fear, maybe because the faith was too little, which meant hope was little, and maybe there just wasn't enough hope on that evening, in that moment, to actually start praying. I think a part of it was my tendency, like I'm assuming a few others here, that in the midst of storms, we go into problem-solve mode. And we try to take it on ourselves. Jim, you talked a little bit about this in yours. We try to do what we know how to do and we try to problem solve it. And we were stuck. And I could not get the words out to start praying. So what we did, we, uh, we texted two friends from Forestbrook to say, can you get on the phone with us in five minutes? And we see God's hand in the fact that that was able to happen. And so, got them on the phone, and didn't explain the whole context, didn't explain a tiny bit of the backstory, but just said, we're here and we actually can't even start praying. Can you help us? Can you you start praying for us? And they did. Down on the floor in one of our rooms, three of us from our family, phone on speakerphone, and here are these two friends' voices praying us, praying for hope, praying for faith, praying against fear. They got us started and within a couple minutes I began to feel like it was kind of coming alive again inside me and within a few minutes was actually able to join in and add our voice to this prayer time. And it was an amazing picture to me of, of to start with of so little faith. <laughs> so little faith that I couldn't even I couldn't even start a prayer. But there was something, the faith was, there was enough there that we knew we had to reach out to Jesus as our only, only hope. That was the, the glimmer that was there, and our action was simply to text a couple friends and say, can you, can you help get us started? And I look back on that now, and I think that little step of faith began, even as we were praying, that a little bit of the anxiousness and fear began to kind of come down a little bit, which, which brought hope up a little and faith up a little, and, and by the end, there was a little bit more peace. A little bit less fear, a little more peace, a little less anxiousness, a little more hope, a little more faith that, that we were right, that he is the only one to turn to in moments like that. For us, that storm is not over. I wish I could say it was. But there's a renewed faith. And it's because of that tiny little action of calling some friends to say, can you, can you start praying for us? Well, friends, in those moments, it is not the quantity of our faith. The disciples' faith was little. A mustard seed is small. I know in that moment my, my faith was tiny. It is not the quantity of our faith. It is the object of our faith. And if we will bring that little bit of faith and it becomes directed to be in Jesus, the one who is the power over all of of, of creation and the authority over all, then that faith is directed to the only one. Small faith, huge power, the one who can actually calm the storm in the midst. And that has been such a reminder to me in preparing for this message this week. Our faith and our fear, they, they, they are intersected. As one goes up, the other goes down. And the Lord is asking us in demonstrating our tiniest bit of faith that he goes to work. Jim, come on up. And the worship team, come on back up. The rest of Jim's story is a beautiful picture of how this plays out. So Jim, keep, keep going. Tell tell us the next part of your story
1: Okay to to carry on so I was at this uh, amazing company uh, for about three years and We were doing really well, and it was great relationships, and I was really excited to be there and uh, And it was going really well, and then uh, we had a a big merger with another company and literally overnight (laughs) I was called by the CEO basically saying that my job's eliminated because of this merger. And I'm just, sitting. are you kidding me? Like, this was just three years after going through this. And it's like, God, what's going on here? Like, I got to go through this again. And uh, so it, it, it certainly rocked me at first because it was very shocking. But it was different this time. Um, and I'll tell you, even, even to the end, this, this goes on for about 12 months again. Uh, but in the early stages, I just felt so different about it that god is teaching me something and and i'm just thick and <laughs> i'm not sure what it is but i've got to i've got to understand that so you know my days were were very different this time sure i was doing everything i needed to do to to, to try to find a job and get a job and doing all the interviewing and applications etc but there was a reliance on god now in that my faith was being uh, challenged and like who am i trusting in am i trusting in my own power or am i leaning into god to help through this this part and and so i immersed myself in worship music in studying and it's not about just doing more but just that's just the tone was like during that time where i was just getting much closer than in a lot of ways i'd ever been in my life over a sustained period because i had the time in a lot of ways to, to do that um, I think that had impact on others around me and my own family. There was definitely hope. It took a long time. <laughs> we had family prayer times. We had certainly all of my private times. We had, you know, there were challenges. It was ups and downs again. But I had that peace that passes understanding we, we hear about. And, and, I, and I totally had that. And, uh, and so I had that faith that it was it was going to be okay. God was in control. He was faithful last time. I did, was exercising my faith muscle at the, at this point, and with both hope and, and just a, a true inner knowledge that something was going to happen. So towards the end of uh, uh, this time, as I, as I was starting to get to the point, well, okay, enough is enough. This is <laughs> taking a long time, and I'm still getting you know lots of questions from everybody, and, and I really wanted to get get on with my next chapter, and. Uh, and so we, we called together, uh, it was about eight people that came and, you know, close friends of ours where we've done, you know, a number of prayer times in the past. And, and, and we got together for prayer and it was different than other times. There was like a definite uh, sense of urgency. They gathered around me. They laid hands on me. They prayed fervently. And I, without a doubt, felt the Holy Spirit was doing something really remarkable that night. And uh, something was going to be different. And I left there just... 100% knowledge that everything's gonna change and literally the morning when I woke up I had a job offer <laughs> in my inbox first time I went into the email and It's just like you know, it was praise God but I, I knew it was gonna happen and, and it's kind of that, that faith that it was and the uh, Community of having others uh, sharing in that and, and praying over it uh, with with faith that God was gonna move and uh, So I was really excited that uh, how that played out and it's taught me a lot. Yeah, and I, I think Something that, uh,
0: um, yeah, I'll leave it with that. Okay. (laughs) A teaser. Uh, Jim, as you look back, how, how are you different? How did your faith grow through having gone through it?
1: So I, I absolutely have more empathy for others going through storms. So I don't want this to be about employment. This is really about the storm in our life. And we all have different ones. Uh, and it helped uh, prepare me to, uh, to minister to others that are going through challenges, to, to have that empathy of understanding what it's like, because it truly is different when it happens to you than when it happens to somebody else. Uh, as much as we want to enter in, it really is. Um, And so that is definitely there. I think it's also prepared me for other storms that have come since then. Um, This was about uh, um, four to five years ago, I'm talking about right now. And uh, so, yeah, we've had loss. We've had uh, my father just passed away. Uh, We've had challenges in the family. There's other things. So how I approach it is different than how I would have pre that. So I, I think, you know... I've been chiseled a bit as a result of this, and it's given me uh, uh, more awareness and sensitivity to others uh, that are going through hardships. And also the understanding of the power of prayer, like real prayer, <laughs> That's, yeah. and, and what that can do. And it really can move mountains. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing. One, one final thing. You had shared that there was a song that kind of became a bit of your rally cry yeah. song through that time so so uh,
1: the song uh, no longer slaves came out the year that i was going through this and it just uh, hit me to the core the words of it i'm gonna lose it <laughs> but it really really hit me that uh, you know it was anointed for me and i played that song and sung along with it at home i don't know how many times every day for that solid year and uh, and god was faithful through that storm and uh So we're going to sing that song. (laughs) And it means a lot. And just thank you everyone for letting me to kind of share my story. I
0: want to encourage us to take a couple minutes before we get to the end of this song. And a couple questions are going to come up here. What storm are you currently facing in your life? We've heard aspects of Jim's. I imagine as you were hearing Jim's story, as you were hearing this disciple story, it was probably top of mind to you, a storm that you are facing right now. The second question, in the midst of that, what fear is God asking you to relinquish so that your faith can grow? What is it? Where are you gripped? What is fear doing there to grip? And I really believe as we we pause here, we're going to take a couple moments just to quietly listen and allow God's Spirit to to bring to mind what he's asking of each one of us this morning. And I believe here today he's not asking us this to be able simply to have something come to mind. He is asking us so we can partner and turn to him like the disciples did when they yelled, Lord, save us, that we would bring and he would be the one to receive and help us get rid of this fear this morning so our faith can grow. He is here and wanting to do that work in each one of us this morning. Let me pray us in, and then we'll take a couple minutes and just reflect on these questions. Lord of heaven and earth, with power and authority over all of creation, we turn to you. You know exactly what storm we're facing. You know the ones we're in now and the ones that may be around the corner. We ask that you would bring to mind now what situation is it that you're asking us to turn to you for? God, you know how we're wired and you know where fears and anxieties can take hold. I pray you would bring to mind, speak to us in your still small voice this morning. Call us to relinquish our fear to you so our faith can grow. And for those of us here this morning and our faith is so small, may it at least be in you, the one who has all power and authority. For those, God, who are here this morning and they're where I was two weeks ago that they just don't have it in them for that hope to be able to even start this prayer, I pray on their behalf. I pray on their behalf that you would speak to them in this moment of quiet and give us faith. In your name I pray, amen. Amen.